Well, welcome back to the Biblical Eldership Podcast. We're going to look at chapter one of the new Biblical Eldership book, New Principles for Leadership. This is all about Jesus, this chapter. Alex, why start with Jesus? Well, he's the Lord, and he's the foundation to everything we believe. In fact, you will not understand the epistles Paul's behavior, Peter's behavior, if you don't understand the ground rules that Jesus left. He gives, you give a great quote at the end of uh, the first uh, page here. What page is that? 21. 21. You say, one of the most interesting and revolutionary of all of Christ's new teachings was how he inverted the traditional leadership pyramid with the people at the base of the pyramid serving the leader at the apex in Christ's kingdom, leadership positions and the exercise of authority entail humility, servanthood, brotherhood, and Christ-like love. I think that's a good summary of, of this whole chapter. Well, Mark 127, what is this? The people said a new teaching with authority. So Christ's teaching is uh, not just the rabbis uh, being repeated, but new. Some of the most uh, humorous or the, the comic relief parts of the New Testament involve the disciples uh, trying to get to the top of the pyramid structure. I mean, you read it and it's almost a, these are laugh out loud passages. But uh, Jesus says, you know, they're acting like the rulers of the Gentiles. This is what the rulers of the Gentiles do who lord it over. But it should not be so with you. you you start off really talking about the training of the 12 and how this is kind of the becomes the baseline uh, the model for for eldership but uh, what's the first thing you mention here with the training of the 12 that Jesus is teaching them well it's obvious uh, there are males in a competition with one another all alpha males and they want to know and this was a, th a thorn in our Lord's side which one of us is the boss when people see us, who do they see as the leader? Who's the spokesman for the group? So it's so male. It's so typical of little petty jealousies. If you remember, you'll see later in this chapter where uh, uh, James and John come and they just so bold. Can we sit at your right hand right. and your left right. hand? Right. Let's cut out the other guys. Right. And then we read that they were all indignant at them. Well, this is a huge uh, problem in churches, is people wanting to be first. We'll look at Diotrephes, the example in Third John here in a minute. But uh, Jesus sort of lays the baseline, and he, he gives uh, the plurality structure of leadership, which is an important point. He, he himself teaches plurality and parity. Uh, but the first thing you mention is humility. Uh, and, you know, Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, my teaching upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. So, so Jesus himself displays this radical humility, which is unbelievable considering he's the son of God. Uh, but he, he teaches the disciples humility over and over again. They are to be gentle and humble. Uh, you mentioned the Mark 9, who is first and greatest. Uh, and in there, Jesus says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all, servant of all. And this is the paradox. What is the paradox? 
Well, the paradox is that the in our normal thinking, uh, the leader is up front. Uh, he gets all the praise, gets the money. Um, where in Jesus' uh, style of leadership, the leader is at the end. He sacrifices his life. He may lose all his money. He may not have titles and fame. He's there to serve. Just real quickly, reaching ahead, there, there are four major um, ideas that Jesus gives to how plurality would work, and it's humility, which you just mentioned, and there is servanthood, and there is brotherly equality. We'll go through each of these in a moment. And there's love. Without these four virtues and qualities, uh, these men would never have gotten to, uh, uh, to uh, lead the church in any kind of civil way. They would have started 12 denominations. <laughs> right. Peter would have had his own denominations. James would have his own. They'd right. all be fine after Jesus left. Listen, I'm the boss. Jesus left me the boss. No, no, he didn't leave any one of them the boss. So these four things are really the prototype. This is how you make it. This is how you survive as an eldership. These yes. principles from Jesus. No, that's right. And they're major. And it explains so much of what we read in the epistles and in the book of Acts. Um, we don't see the normal, typical type of leadership model that you have among the Gentiles, that you have among the religious leaders of the day. We'll look at that in uh, Matthew 23. And this is all counterintuitive. Right. The leader is the younger. The leader is at the back. The leader is the servant. You think of many churches, and as you already mentioned, I mean, it's, it's the people serve the pastor. Uh, the people serve the chieftain. But uh, Jesus reverses this. Yes. Let me just tell you a quick story here. So my wife and I, every year at our anniversary, we go to the same hotel to get away for a day or two. And we've gotten to know the servers in this hotel, uh, you know, quite well. And um, almost every one of them is from Africa. And as soon as we come in, they know us and we all joke and have a lot of fun together. But one of the ladies will come and bow to my wife and I. Mr. Pastor, Mrs. Pastor, Mr. Pastor, Mrs. <laughs> I say, Lydia, please stop that. What are you doing? Well, she comes from a denomination in Africa where all the people serve the leader. He's got multiple homes, multiple cars. Uh, he's fabulously wealthy. And from their perspective, you serve the leader. You give your life for the leader. You do what the leader tells you. Right. I said, you want to know something, Lydia? And I've talked to her about this for years, sent her books. Lydia, he's to serve you. He's to give his money to right, you. Right. He's to willing to die for you. Right. Oh, no, no, no. She says, that's not true. Yes, that's yeah. the teaching of Jesus. So my point is, it's hard to grasp this teaching. No, it's radical. We love the strong man mentality. Right, right, right. right. You got a great quote from John Stott under this first point, humility. And uh, actually, no, it's under the second point, humble servanthood, where he says, the symbol of an authentic Christian leadership is not the purple robe of an emperor but the coarse apron of a slave, not a throne of ivory and gold, but a basin of water for the washing of feet. Great quote. And of course, a great illustration of Jesus, the table servant. Yes. Who's greater, the one who sits at a table or one who serves the person sitting at the table? Think of this. Jesus says, I'm like the one who serves the table. He reverses everything. Right, right. So number one, humility. Number two, humble servanthood. And the third one mentioned is brotherly equality. This is a great one. 
Jesus, of course, mentions in this uh, incredible passage, Matthew 23. In fact, I, I just want to read I want to read this. Yes, this is very important. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad, their fringes long. They love the place of honor and feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. <laughs> the, that, gra- the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. What an, a phenomenal statement. You know, I don't think we have followed this. You see the New Testament apostles following this. You are not to be going around looking for honorific titles. People you know, love most, titles. Oh, they love titles. The most honor... Um, the most reverend, we have all these titles. You know, when I do funerals and you go into the funeral home, right, right. away, reverend, can right. I help you? Reverend, right. I always tell I'm not a reverend, please. <laughs> Nothing reverend about me. Uh, just call me Alex or brother. But anyway, uh, Jesus told them, you're not to be looking and seeking honorific titles, all kinds of special clothes, right. special seats. You're brothers, and you are to take the lowly path of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. It's almost ironic that, that pastor... Uh, became a, a, a honorific title I and mean, pastor is, is a shepherd it's it's deeply ironic that uh, uh, even even the term pastor has become a, a, a badge or a title well what happened david is that after the first century second third century we we turned back to the scribes and pharisees their sanctimonious right. uh, ways of elevating themselves above other people wearing special clothes and buildings with jewels and it just all got reversed from what our Lord taught. You are brothers. Yep. Fourth one is Christ-like love. And, of course, Jesus gives this new commandment. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Of course, people ask, why is this a new commandment? This is old. This is the Old Testament talks about loving. Why is this new? Well, it's new because just as I have loved you. Yes, everyone knows in the Old Testament, love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus ratchets this up when he says, you're to love just as I loved you. And that is a selfless, self-sacrificing love. B.B. Warfield said this, self-sacrificing love is thus made the essence of the Christian life. In other words, I give my life for you. I give what I have to you. It's other-oriented. Such a good quote. Uh, you say in here, there's no way that a Christian leadership team can work together effectively without God's love flowing through each of its members toward the others. Love is the secret ingredient in all successful team efforts. Oh, isn't that true? It's good. First Corinthians 13. Uh, We all are fighters. After Adam and Eve sinned, the first sin recorded is Cain killed his brother Abel, and we've been fighting and killing one another ever since. It's part of the plague of the fallen human race. Uh, How in the world are a group of men going to deal with delicate issues, uh, issues that would cause Solomon problems? Uh, How are they going to work together and live together long term? 
only by Christ-like love. Right. There's no other way. Right. And if you want to know what that love is, go to 1 Corinthians 13. All right. You, you close the chapter with sort of an anti-example uh, of Diotrephes, and uh, I, I think this is the perfect illustration of the opposite of Christ-like love. And uh, he really is a – he's almost a parable, a modern parable today uh, for the strongman, the strongman type of leadership. I'll, I'll read this uh, passage in Third John if you're not familiar with it, but uh, listeners aren't. Third John 9, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes – who likes to put himself first, it's the word for preeminence, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I'll bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. Not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. He's a bully. Uh, Diotrephes is the, he loves to be first and, and he's kicking people out of the church. He won't listen to apostolic authority. He won't listen to the apostle John. This is quite a guy. Uh, what are your thoughts on Diotrephes? Do you see this kind of attitude and spirit today in the modern church, Alex? Well, I think he's an example of the strongman mentality. Wherever you go in the world, doesn't matter. You will encounter the strongman style of leadership. And this is a style of leadership that is self-centered. It concentrates power in one person. It rejects any kind of genuine transparency or accountability. It wheels power, gain wealth, promotes oneself. And Diotrephes is a Christian strongman. Right. And you know, David, people love it. They love it. Yeah. They want a strongman. You may not remember this, but years ago, you made a comment to me and said, you know, David, you know what the biggest problem in the church is today? And uh, you said, it's not. It's not sexual problems, it's not financial problems, it's power problems. And I, I've thought about that often. And maybe I'm misremembering what you said, but the point is well taken that this is a huge problem in the church today. And not just in America, although we see it in the news, unfortunately, all the time, popular uh, evangelical pastors who've been uh, forced to step down because of their bullying. Uh, but this is a problem all over the world, Africa, Asia, uh, and I, it's human nature. We actually love the dictator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it seeks to control and dominate and to manipulate. It's dictatorial, authoritarian. Uh, it outright rejects the concept of shared leadership um, and real genuine accountability. It's self-serving. It's just so natural to us. Yeah, this is a huge problem, and it's contra what Jesus talks about uh, all through his, uh, his teachings. Um, Yes, I think we should see in the life of the Apostle Paul uh, the example of a man who lives out Jesus' four principles of humility, servanthood, brotherliness, and love. You see this mm -hmm. with Paul. You see the Corinthians. They didn't understand Paul. They saw him as weak. Um, and many people today think, uh, well, if a leader serves and gives and uh, – um, wants to promote others and advance others, well, he must be weak. Right, right. Well, I love that you started this book, this revised uh, book with, with this chapter. And I think elders would do well uh, to think about this. And, and honestly, this is, this is the perfect place to start. And, and to stop here for a moment before they go on to chapter two, three, four, 
and really meditate on, really think about this others-oriented style of leadership. Maybe identify uh, areas in their own life or areas in the eldership where where really they have become the ones who are served, not the ones who serve. So I think this is a it's a beautiful check. Uh, we we can take this for granted. We can you know we gloss over these teachings, uh, Matthew chapter twenty three, uh, elsewhere uh, the new commandment, Jesus taking up the towel, serving. This this is so important that elders get this into their hearts and brains and minds uh, to model this, to exemplify this, to seek after this. Uh, I love it, and I'm so glad that you uh, started the the book with this chapter. Yes, and like I said. You will not understand Acts, you will not understand the letters of Paul or Peter if you don't understand this foundational teaching of a style of leadership that is not like the Gentiles who lord their authority over others. This is a servant model. Jesus is the greatest servant model. He washed the disciples' feet, which was shocking to them. Mm -hmm. They couldn't believe what their eyes were looking at, that the Lord of glory, the teacher, the Lord would get down on his knees Mm -hmm. and wash their stinky, dirty feet and then say, you see what I've done? Now you do the same to others. And that explains the many one another commands in the New Testament. We're a one anothering community always serving one another, advancing one another. It's a Philippians 2 type of Christian. All of this goes back to Jesus' Uh countercultural teaching on these four great virtues, which he is the greatest model of. And of course, the cross is the ultimate model of the servant Uh leader and the leader who considers others before himself. So we're not going to understand eldership without this. And I think eldership fits this model of teaching because it's not a one man rule. uh, The big shot man, the boss man. This is uh, a collegiate style of leadership, which demands love, humility, servanthood, or it won't work. Right. Did not come to be served, but to serve. I love this quote you've got, of course, from Paul in 2 Corinthians 4. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants, slaves for Jesus' sake. That, that is an, just an astonishing statement by Paul. A, a, a nice summary is Jesus reverses the leadership pyramid. Mm-hmm. Instead of someone at the apex, at the top, and everyone serving that person, Jesus turns it upside down, the leaders at the bottom serving people above himself. So it's, it's a complete reversal, and it's not easy to grasp, by the way, because at heart, we are right. all proud. Right. We want to have status. Right want these honorific titles, want mm-hmm. people to look to us. And some people will never grasp this. Yeah. So I really suggest that in this chapter, you look over the passages that teach servant leadership. Yeah, elders take an inventory personally and collectively. Uh, well, this is good. Next, next episode, we'll look at chapter two, pastoral leadership. But again, I just fully affirm with all of my heart uh, this chapter as a, as a standalone, uh, but really as the baseline for the rest of the book. We've got to get Jesus teaching on this subject or the rest of the, the book, the rest of the teaching doesn't even really make sense. And Jesus is Lord. Amen. Amen. 
Biblical Eldership Resources is committed to equipping church elders to help them be effective, godly leaders of the church. Please consider donating to the ministry so that we can continue to provide essential eldership resources for church elders around the world. To donate, go to biblicaleldership.com.